Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. Blog Talk Radio. Saigon and simulcast across the country via Blog Talk Radio and later on BFlow360.com and MP Soccer Talk. This is Fanatic Radio, America's premier sports music program, episode number four of the World Cup show. My gardener joins me always for our special, beautiful game podcast, Nick Pappas, MP Soccer Talk. We are 30 minutes away and counting you down live and ready for the final round of 16 matchup featuring the Belgians, and your very own U.S. of A. Nick Papadis, it's only poetic justice that we as Americans get to finally end what has been a very exciting and very emotional round of 16. Yeah, today's obviously going to be a very big game, especially getting to play against Belgium, who we played in a friendly a little over a year ago. So huge match for Americans and just for the country as a whole. Now, fans, if you stay with us, Nick and I will break down that U.S.-Belgium game on what to expect, what to not expect, and what Jurgen Klinsmann surprisingly has up his sleeves as the starting 11 has already been announced for both squads, some face, some familiar faces in and out. But we have to recap the other seven games that have happened before us, especially the one that happened just a few, ended just a few minutes ago. What has been the most surprising thing you have seen, Nick? Is it that the fact that all but one game – has gone down to a one-goal deficit? I think not only that, I think it's also been very surprising how many games have gone into extra time and the fact that several games, or a couple at least, have gone into penalty kicks even. And the game that ended just minutes ago was the Argentina-Switzerland. Many had the uh, the Swiss on the ropes thinking Ecuador was going to advance to that group. But by by winning on goal differential and actually beating Ecuador head-to-head the very first match of their group, they ended up taking one of the best countries in the world of Argentina in front of a home, literally a home crowd stand in Sao Paulo, down to the 118th minute when Angel de de Maria scored the game-winning goal on a costly error, Nick Papadis. It almost seemed like the Swiss were destined to take in the penalty kicks where it would have been a matter of, uh, you know, mental stamina and everything. But then a giveaway, you put the ball at the foot of Lionel Messi, who I just want to say has, win or lose, whatever happens to him, definitely is the best player in the world. Cristiano Ronaldo, he may be the, you know, the, the, the whole package in terms of strength and his ability to whip in free kicks. But in terms of leading a team, and, and I know you could either agree or disagree with me on, on whoever your favorite player is, Nick, but... It's always that, you know, when we look at each other's sports, whether it's football, it's basketball, 
there is always that moment where, especially in the last five minutes, and for Missy, it was it was the last five minutes of regular time and then extra time, where as a certain switch comes on in certain players' heads. Because when you think about it, you know, there's, there's players, in, in crunch time, as, as you know, we Americans term it, crunch time, players become good, but good players become great. And we saw that with, you know, who was the first guy to get the ball after it was stolen in the midfield? Was Messi leading a break, ultimately leading to a goal? I mean, that, what, what, just, what just happened in a span of like five seconds, truly just, and what he'd have done this entire tournament, you know, definitely have to bring up the debate once again. I definitely would say Messi. I've always been a big proponent of Messi over Ronaldo, simply for the fact that while he's not as big or as athletically built, he's just such an intelligent, smart player. He won't always look to force the play. Clever will pass. His runs are always very good, uh, tracking in the ball after one of his teammates shoots or whatever. You saw that in their game. I believe it was against uh, Bosnia-Herzegovina. Um, but he's just such an intelligent player, and you really got to see that yet again. And so they ended up advancing Argentina the 1-0 win in extra time. And, Nick, you know, we mentioned at the top of the broadcast a lot of these games have gone into extra time. What has been your clear-cut winner for the most gut-wrenching, exciting match so far, these knockout stages? I would have to say the one that, probably almost gave me a nervous breakdown, which was uh, Costa Rica-Greece with the, for the second time in a row, Greece equalized, well, the first match they scored the go-ahead goal, uh, and, and then the round of 16, in the 91st minute, taking the, uh, like, equalizing to take it into extra time, and then just heart-wrenching after Gekas was unable to convert his penalty. Yeah, that's right. At least, at least that match did go into penalties. Of course, to, to be fair to Costa Rica, that that team was gassed, and Greece had. And also, you know, your, your boys from Greece, all the Opelousas and company had a man advantage, and it made me just mad that they couldn't couldn't convert because everything was pretty much handed on a silver platter to Greece, and uh, even in the penalty kicks, it's almost like they were just so sort of surprised that they were still in that situation and hadn't scored. Even the four, my favorite game in terms of excitement had to been this Argentina-Switzerland game. But even the very first one that we, we started off with the knockout stage, Brazil-Chile. I said on the, the, the special World Cup show last week, do not be surprised if Chile takes this game into penalty kicks. Because <laughs> it was right. Chile pretty much threw everything but the kitchen sink at the host nation. And it immediately just started this snowball effect of the, the, the group runner-ups going toe-to-toe with some of the best in the world. Are you surprised that Brazil is even more vulnerable and possibly could be an underdog against Colombia in the quarterfinals? I could definitely see Colombia giving them more in for their money. Colombia has looked way more impressive in all their matches, especially the performance by James Rodriguez against Uruguay. Um, Brazil has looked a little shaky. They looked a little shaky through the group stage, and they definitely looked shaky against Chile. Yeah, of course, James Rodriguez scored uh, the go-ahead to become the leading goal scorer in the World Cup as of now and to lead Colombia to the most convincing win of the knockout stage, 2-0. Scrolling down to the – of course, by the way, that guy's only 23 years old and is right now is being looked at. It's funny. 
no one knew who this guy was when the World Cup started. And interesting enough, uh, to be fair to Colombia and France, who we'll talk to in a minute, both playing without their star players. And originally it was Falcone who convinced Jaime Rodriguez to come over and play with them at Monaco. And now he's clearly taking the World Cup by storm, becoming sort of the, this unsung hero. So now we go down to the bottom of the bracket, which is the two games yesterday, in which France defeated Nigeria 2-0. And, of course, that was a nail-biter up until about the 70th minute. And then Germany, a team that was fairly convinced to be one of the World Cup uh, favorites to win, went toe-to-toe with African nation Algeria, as we mentioned at the top of the broadcast. So you know, this is win or go home. Every country is going to be fighting like it's their last game. But out of the, Fran- out of the two, uh, even the three, we include the Netherlands, out of the three European superpowers, Nick, which one made you sort of step back and think, okay, this team could easily be beat? Definitely Germany. Germany's performance yesterday against Algeria was just really showed some weakness. Uh, you saw the four. I mean, they're for the most of the match they're playing four center backs as their back four. They had two center backs both playing fullback, which is always a questionable decision. And you really saw Neuer having to work and play almost as a sweeper. Um, and in addition to that, they really couldn't get too much offense going against Algeria until late in extra time, or until extra time. Uh, but overall, I would say that they showed that they were probably the weakest looking of the superpowers. But Algeria was also one of the strongest looking uh, second place finishers from the group stage. Not the Netherlands, the team that was that was facing elimination in the face when Mexico went up. I would definitely still stick with Germany because though the Netherlands did definitely struggle, uh, Germany was not only projected to be the much better team than the Netherlands, but they're they, they also worlds better than Algeria. Mexico has had a history of being fairly good, while Algeria, on the other hand, I couldn't even tell you where most of those players play their club ball, unlike Mexico where a lot of them do play in big leagues. Well, apparently a fun fact for the fans out there, Algeria is the only country in the World Cup where each player plays on 23 different clubs. I think Brazil is still the leader in, the, in, in terms of players on the 23-man roster that don't play in their domestic country. I think Joe and two others play in Brazil. But Algeria, for even those that are in Algeria, every guy is on a different club. Uh, Surprised that Mexico went toe-to-toe with the Netherlands. You know, a lot of people were counting El Tri out even before when this World Cup began, and they went on this this crazy run. Uh, Would you have liked to see Mexico advance and play Costa Rica, or are you fine with the Netherlands? Well, I definitely would have liked to see Mexico advance because they did have – they went from – Having from struggling to qualify to having a very strong performance in the group stage, and then also a very strong showing against the Netherlands. However, I do think the Netherlands has a lot more star power and is just a better overall team. So I think they'll be a little bit more exciting to watch. And I think, but I do think that they're going to demolish Costa Rica, unlike Mexico, who might have had a little bit of a close run with them. Exactly, and going back to. Uh the France-Columbia analogy, because we'll stick with the Columbia-Uruguay, because that features your boy, Luis Suarez, who did not play. And it apologized uh, via social media on what Giorgio Cellini forgave him. 
Uh, without Suarez, was Uruguay just just doomed for this game? I wouldn't say that they were doomed. I would say Uruguay is still a very good team. I just think Colombia is the better team. Colombia is one of those teams that I don't think they get the respect they deserve. James Rodriguez is an amazing superstar to be only 22 or 23 or however in his early 20s and be producing not only the number of goals that he is, but the type of amazing finishes that he is, uh, is just fantastic. Uruguay does have a lot of stars, such as Cavani still, but I think overall uh, Colombia is just the better team. All right, and then down, finally, we get to our French uh, parallel, and speaking of another top goal scorer, uh, Karim Benzema, who did not score in the France-Nigeria game, but once again was a catalyst on that French offensive front. And similar to what Colombia is doing without Falcon, the French are playing without Frank Ribéry. And imagine how good that team would be if he was in the lineup. What, what makes teams like... France, and then we saw the Netherlands and Huntelaar was a sub and stepped up and took the penalty kick to win it. What is it about those teams that have so much diversity that it's almost like they could put their second string out and still be competitive? Well, in the case of France, I know I'm kind of going on a limb and disagreeing with basically all soccer analysts everywhere, but I think Frank Ribéry is grossly overrated. Um, I think that it's one of those situations where the other players from France are just as good. Some of them, such as Paul Pogba, I think in a couple of years will be much better. Um, but for a lot of these teams, you have to remember, even their second string guys are still playing at some of the top clubs in Europe and around the world. And they're just such big names. And they've got, it's more an issue of depth. And they've got so much depth that they could really put anyone out there and will be just fine. All right, Paul Pogba was a member of that uh, U20s team for France that ended up winning the, uh, the last under-20 World Cup. He stepped up big, scored the go-ahead goal. And so now, before we get to the USA game, the other three matches, because the next time that FNAC Radio World Cup show will return will be... Uh, it's sort of a preview of the semifinals because Friday and Saturday are the quarterfinal matches. We'll start up at the top. Brazil, Colombia, featuring two youthful heavyweights that are both close to my age. And Neymar taking on Jaime Rodriguez, leading a Colombia team that feels very confident about themselves taking on Brazil. On the 4th of July, we start things off with a little South American flair. Does Colombia have enough, especially in the defensive end, to contain a Brazil team that is pretty mad at themselves for playing sort of down to Chile's level? Well, I definitely think that Colombia is going to give Brazil a run for their money. Uh, They are a little bit weak in the defense. They do have some older guys, but just their play down the wings is so fantastic. and There's not many teams... They can work the wings as well as Colombia. But at the same time, one of those few teams that can work the wings as well is Brazil. So I think you're going to see a lot of play down the sidelines uh, and just a lot of play near the touchline. You're really going to be able to see who just grinds it out more. I think that's basically what this match is going to come to because I think both teams are pretty evenly matched. But 
Brazil does have the home field advantage a little bit. But overall, I think Colombia might give them a run for their money, might even beat them. Because this, this game definitely shows how good Brazil is. Because home field advantage, like you mentioned, Nick, will, will continue throughout this World Cup as long as Brazil is in it. But it's almost like how prepared is Colombia for this because they expect it. They expect to get booed and yelled at. And the sea of, of green and yellow against a team that's riding a wave of off the coattails of what they were in the early 90s with my boy Carlos Valderrama and company. These guys, they, the, Columbia, from here on out, Columbia, the, the underdogs of teams, and, you know, and we'll mention it especially with Costa Rica on the other side of the bracket, those teams have nothing to lose. Brazil has everything to lose. And it's all and after going against in PKs, Brazil I think seems more vulnerable than they were before. But you got you have hit or miss performances. You know, the Fred just looked awful against Chile. And even some of the mid you know, the defense, I think David Luiz has been sort of the only Thiago Silva has and been and David Luiz have been the only rock solid guys this entire World Cup for them. But you know, you got Gustavo who's sort of on the fence of what he's gonna do. You had Frederino come in to start against Chile and I could see this game going to extra time. I'm not gonna say PK so I think Colombia offensively is too I guess Brazil prepared against the Brazilians because essentially you're going to see two teams that play the exact same style. And I think now that teams get their their round of 16 game out of the way, they play a little more loose or they play a little more relaxed. And I don't see this game going as far as PKs. I could easily see one of these people win in regulation. And I'll be bold, and I will say I will be bold, and we'll say Colombia will be Brazil. I think because whoever whoever the South American teams get out of this, you know, South America has a tough road because it'll go perfectly with our next preview of the game. As once again, my guard Nick Papadis, Fanatic Radio's World Cup preview show on the Knockout. So now the bottom half of this side of the bracket, France and Germany rekindling an old European fight between two of the most high-scoring clubs left in this World Cup tournament, a matchup that a lot of people are excited to see on this 4th of July. You have France, who I think is one of the most free-flowing teams in the tournament, against Das Meisterschaft, in which looked defensively looked very sluggish against an Algeria team that the French will play a pretty similar style considering most of the Algerian guys came from the French side. And uh, you could see guys like Benzema, Olivier Giroud, even the the small, the, the, the unknown names that a lot of people have uh, all of a sudden taken interest in. And your boy Paul Pogba. Could you see France slip by and beat Germany? I could definitely see that. It's really going to come down to who Germany starts in that back line. If Hummels is eligible and is over the flu, which is apparently his reason for being out yesterday, and he replaces Murtisacker, then I think they'll be okay. But Murtisacker is just too slow, and just I worry about him getting the job done. It'll also be interesting to see whether they move Philip Lom back to right back and bring in Sammy Kadira, who had a, a 
who was really one of the only players who had a very good performance yesterday against Algeria. Uh, but if it really will come down to the lineups that are chosen, but that's another one of those matches that really could go either way. It's basically who has the best defense because both teams offensively are, are blowing the doors off this World Cup. And if you see Benzema against Thomas Muller, two of the highest scoring players in the tournament, a, a stage in the, the American, you know, everyone will be watching. It's what defense. And, you know, France's defense has not been tested, I don't think. Group play, you know, they, they I think Ecuador has been the only team to really get up and down the field against this French defense to get past that French midfield. I think Germany is too has too much on the offensive end because despite despite taking into extra time and, and almost losing to Algeria, the Germans seemed pretty composed that entire match in the fact that each guy knew their assignment, knew what they needed to do, and they just came in waves, wave after wave of attempt. The French, they sort of just, they're like a cannon, and the Germans are like one of those old 17th, 18th century rifles in which you have to load the gunpowder and stuff it in and slowly take your time, and then you shoot it off. It's almost like which team is going to give up, especially in the defensive end, because both goalies are great, both midfields are fantastic, and both teams have teams that can score. I will not be surprised. I'm going with my guns and saying that I think Germany will win. I think this game, if any, will go down to PKs because both teams are so strong. It'll be probably a 1-1 tie in regulation. But I think of any of the games, this will go to PKs. So now we switch to our third game before we get to the preview of the United States-Belgium match. Netherlands-Costa Rica. Costa Rica so far has been the darling of the tournament. Knock on wood for USA fans. If they could join them, it would be the first time ever two CONCACAF nations make it to the quarterfinals. But basically, Costa Rica is a one-man show behind Brian Ruiz, and nobody has figured them out since. This guy has scored the most goals for them. He wears the captain's armband, and yet he always has a nose for the goal. And has single-handedly helped out a Costa Rica team that has been proud to carry the underdog flag but do you think the buck stops here when they face a very talented and very prepared Netherlands team? I think the Netherlands is just going to beat the daylights out of Costa Rica. I think Costa Rica got very lucky in the group stage with just edging some, a couple one-goal wins. And then I think Greece was – I think Costa Rica and Greece were fairly evenly matched. Greece definitely should have won that match given their performance – but uh, especially given that they're a man up, I think they squeaked through the round of 16, and I think the Netherlands, who is just such a deep team with such quality strikers and midfielders, is just going to uh, demolish Costa Rica. Well, we said I that against Mexico. Going, I say this one going about 3-0 at least, maybe 4-1. It's interesting because we said the same thing about Mexico. They had no chance. The Netherlands, the Dutch are great. They're well coached. They're well prepared. But once again, you know, you, you have to get over that first time. Teams always look sluggish and slow in that first round of 16 because it's that first wave of, oh, if we lose, we're out. Definitely, I won't say a 3 0 game, but I do not think Costa Rica will, I think Costa Rica could get a goal against the Netherlands. And I would not be surprised if they score first. But, of course, if it's early, Costa Rica's doomed because the Netherlands have already faced a team like Costa Rica. This is exactly – this is Mexico with red, white, and blue. 
they'll play physical, they'll play dirty, they'll play fast, they'll get to the flanks, and they'll try to cross it in for headers. And I think the Dutch are prepared for that. The Netherlands are organized and rely heavily on subs in which they step up and improve, you know, their worth on the team. I think this is a game where you won't, because Costa Rica will be focused 100% on the Stars, the Van Persies, the Robins. This is where you'll see teams, this is where you'll see a, a game like with Memphis Depay or even until he comes off the bench early. This is where you see those guys that have to step up. Because I think for the big-name clubs, you know, the, the Thomas Mueller's and Benzema's I think will be limited. Even Jaime Rodriguez against Brazil. This is where you'll see, you know, who is that second, third, and fourth best player. For Germany, you know, Mesut Ozil, who scored. He got his first goal of the World Cup yesterday. And for France, Pogba scored. For the Brazilians, David Luiz, of all guys, ended up being the deciding factor, scoring a goal. Even Julio Cesar came out big in the penalty shootout. This is where the, 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 young, the second wave of guys have to stand up and have to help carry the help the weight because when small small players help out, that's where you'll see the Wesley Snyder, you know, blasted from nineteen yards out to tie the game. And that's where you'll see Iron Oven take over. It's how the Dutch spread out Costa Rica. Because Costa Rica Greece, they looked gassed. Even with ten men, with a full eleven, I think they'll be even more gassed. And so now Argentina awaits today's victor- uh, victorious winner of the final game of the round of sixteen. The United States and Belgium, these teams have met only five times. The U.S. has won once. They have made it out of the group of death. They have faced Germany. They have faced Ghana. They have faced Portugal. And yet, here we are. The second consecutive World Cup, the United States is through. Last time they were in this situation, they ended up losing to Ghana, of all teams. Now they face Belgium, a team that was hit or miss. Jurgen Klinsmann has decided to go over the 4-3-3 lineup to mix everything up. And for Jurgen Klinsmann, Nick... How does the United States even have to be nervous considering they have watched seven previous games all have similar storylines? I think when you're at this stage, I don't think there's ever a time that you can't be nervous. If you're too relaxed at this stage, I think that's when it really costs you. However, given the problems that Belgium is having at the back, especially with company uh, playing through an injury and being yet another team who's playing four true center backs, uh, I think that we could definitely exploit them defensively, but I would be a little bit concerned if we were too relaxed in doing it. I think the United States can't, you know, they, have, they have no chance to be relaxed, you know, because they are, they have faced, as Clint Dempsey said this the best yesterday, they said, he said they have faced, you know, the best competition they can. So now they can continue to play up to the opponents, which I think the United States has done. They've taken every opponent, and they have not played lax at all this World Cup. They, everyone, every team, because they are counted out every single time. It's just a matter, and I'm hoping it doesn't happen today, but it's sort of a matter of when that will turn in which the United States teams are sort of the quote-unquote favorite. An interesting lineup in the fact that we got a, we got three men midfield, in which Jeff Cameron will be starting at right mid, and then you have a three forwards of Zuzi Bedoya with Dempsey in the middle. Which player are you expecting to have sort of a big game for the United States? Well, I'm definitely thinking that Fabian Johnson is going to have another big game, especially in his matchup against Eden Hazard. Uh, it's a very important matchup because if Hazard gets too much. 
space, he can really cause problems. But I think overall, I think the player who needs to have the biggest game is Bradley. And that's just because given his performance in the past game against Germany, he just really needs to step up big here against Belgium. For me, it all starts with the defense. Because a lot of the teams, especially after we beat, after we beat Ghana, a lot of teams have put two circles around Marcus Beasley and Matt Beasley because they have a, every team that the United States has faced, which has been very surprising. But Portugal did it with Nani and Cristiano Ronaldo to, at the end of the game. And then Germany did it even more. They attacked the right side because what, what I think, what I hope Belgium doesn't do, but if they scout, they're going to take away Fabian Johnson's ability to go forward and they're going to extend everything, Hazard, you know, all the guys with two last names. They're going to send everyone on the right side to attack Demarcus Beasley. But the fact that the USA has had such a sort of an enthusiastic ride, in what way do you think the United States could pull out a victory? Well, as I said before, I think the fact that uh, Belgium is playing four true center backs as uh, their defenders, and they've got two center backs playing fullback. I think that's going to cause for some weakness. And I also think the fact that company and is injured and playing through an injury, and Van Boyten is just old. He's a very old player. He's the oldest in Belgium squad, if I remember correctly. I think that's going to just cause them problems. If the U.S. is able to keep pushing forward and keep Belgium on their heels, then I think they could definitely push a goal or two and possibly edge them. The USA has to, if they want to win this game, they have to score early. And because we have, what we have seen as a common theme is I think every goal has been scored in the second half. But the United States has to press early, much like we saw the Algerias and, Chile, and the Chiles, even Mexico. They pressed early in the first half and then sort of fell off in the second half, allowing the bigger, stronger team to, to keep up. The United States has to be aware of that. If they score, the European team will come back, you know, exp- explosive. And the second thing is, when Jurgen Klinsmann said this the best this morning, was the United States has to anticipate the full 120 minutes. You know, they can't treat this as a 90-minute game. It's what team is more fit, what team will have more endurance. Because the USA's best chance is to try to win it in regulation. If it goes into extra time, that's where you'll see sort of the experience of Belgium being in this scenario. Yeah, I'm, I'm refusing to say if the U.S. will win or not. But you know what? Stranger things have happened. They've, they've been doubted all this way. Who's to say they won't get a 2-1 win and move on? We'll see. That game is coming up your way, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on ESPN, Univision. Stars and Stripes hopefully will advance. We've seen stranger things happen and become the first team this knockout round to be a group runner-up and win. Catch up this catch this podcast. We preview the semifinals next week and a 4th of July episode of Fanatic Radio this Friday for MP Soccer Talks. Nick Pappas, I'm Mike Gardner saying so long and go Team USA.
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.